Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get? When trolls aren't really trolls at all? Why, they're goblins, and you get the film Troll 2. Welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. First off, I want to thank Bud's Beers and Brutality. You can find them on Twitter at 3B Horror Pod. Uh, they're the ones that wanted to have me give a look at Troll 2. Now, I'm pretty sure that most of the horror world out there knows exactly what this film is. Hey, in fact, there was a documentary that's pretty good. Uh, called Best Worst Movie that discovers, well, not a whole lot extra about Troll 2, but a lot of the workings around it. And it's very, uh, it's interesting. And it definitely was one of the reasons why I saw this movie in the first place. And I bet it's a reason a lot of people saw this movie. But those in the know knew about this movie way before I did. I just happened to catch hearing about the documentary on uh, Doug Loves Movies, the podcast, and uh, then slowly seeching or searching out. Oh man, I cannot talk today, and I apologize. But searching out the film, uh, best worst movie, watching it, and then I'm like, I have to see Troll Two because I need to understand why these people are so into it uh, and why it's become such a cult classic. And that was actually the question that was posed to me. Do I think that it's a cult classic because it's truly a cult classic? Or do I think it's a cult classic primarily because of that film and the overhyping it got because of that film? Now, I'm not going to go too much into the history of Troll and Troll 2, but just know that these are two separate entities and you had a foreign director directing the second one and they really have... There's a Troll 3 as well, but it's got different names for different areas. And again, that one doesn't correlate to any part of the Troll series at all. And right off the bat, you're going to know that this one is different because it's not really about trolls. It's about goblins. 
So if you really want a big thing of backstory and the production and the actors of the film, please go watch Best Worst Movie. In fact, if you want to, watch that first before I start talking about the film. I know I don't want to turn a lot of people off of the podcast, but it's a very good film and it's worth the watch. Even if you don't like this movie, even if you think it's overhyped, even if you think that it's truly not the best worst horror movie that's out there. I mean, I could make uh, a call for a couple of different films. Death Factory comes to mind. Uh, But truly, it is an entertaining documentary. It's a really good uh, sit-down watch. Like You're just going to want to relax. You want something interesting. Uh, And then come back, listen to the podcast, make sure that you've seen this movie, and uh, we can go on from there. But what I'm going to focus mostly on is the normal style of review that we always do. And then at the end, I'm going to discuss a little bit about whether or not I believe this to be a true cult classic. Or I think it's just one of those overhyped ones. And this is going to be, I believe this is my fourth time watching this film. So I like to watch it every now and then uh, since I've seen it, you know, just to kind of refresh myself with and it's probably more than my fourth time uh but it's still one of those films that i think everybody should at least check out once so you're automatically gonna get my recommendation about watching it you should at least watch it but i'll give you the reasons why i think so at the end of the podcast so without further ado grandpa seth can you give us a little bit of an awkward intro with some guy named peter peter was a courageous boy But that dawn, he could feel fear stick to his skin like dew on leaves. The fog was thick enough to make him lose his way home. Then he began to hear strange noises coming from the depths of the forest. He noticed a presence, small shadows that seemed to giggle as they followed in his footsteps. Who were they, Grandpa? Cruel, deformed forest dwellers, haughty creatures, spiteful and impudent. They are the vengeful and evil goblins, the little people of the night. What did they want with him? What did Peter do to the goblins? That's the point. Goblins don't need to justify their cruel acts. They are evil creatures. But let me go on, please. Okay, I won't interrupt you anymore. To make a long story short, Peter started to run and run and run. And that's where we finally get the intro to our movie with that really fantastic 80s cheesiness that is the main title theme of this movie. So a couple of things here. As uh, I've already explained, this movie is not about trolls. It's about fucking goblins. Okay, he says it right there. They're constantly talking about goblins. They're constantly showing the goblins. Nobody goes under a you know a bridge. Nobody goes on the internet and leaves random comments for people. They're not fucking trolls. They barely fucking talk as it is. So it's kind of a weird situation. And then you've got uh, our two main characters here. Well, not two. Well, one of our main characters. Uh, who happens to be Joshua. And you got his grandpa, Seth. And his grandpa's the one scaring the living shit out of him in the bed. Now, it's funny because 
the kid looks like your stereotypical like 80s child actor but he also reminds me of Haley joe osmond from the sixth sense like the way they grab the blankets the way they talk uh and the funniest thing is is that while watching through this again my wife is uh has this hatred towards this kid that i cannot quite understand i mean he's just a little kid and she's just kind of sitting back there like i hate his fucking mouth like one i've never heard you talk like that two it's a fucking kid come on Leave the kid alone. I mean, he has, like, extra freckles and shit like that. But, really, you you can't blame that on him. That's just fucking genetics. And the mouth, uh, that'll go away. And looking at that mouth, and that's what makes me actually think of Haley Joe Osmond from The Sixth Sense. Uh, Same type of bone structure. Same weird head. uh, Almost same haircut, except for Haley Joe has a fucking bowl cut in that movie. And here he's got, like, almost a rat tail without the fucking rat tail. I mean, he's literally just missing the little piece of hair in the back, and that would be, like, your Hoosier uh, equivalent (laughs) right then and there. So, we continue on with the story of Peter because Grandpa wants to make sure that, you know, he explains to Joshua how Peter got his ass kicked and then met some random girl. Peter remained on the ground, unconscious, for a long time. Finally, when he opened his eyes, he saw her in front of him, just a few inches away from him. A goblin? So, he doesn't see a goblin, but he sees a woman dressed in white, and she's got like a million fucking freckles on her face. Like, it's a ridiculous amount, they're obviously been put on there, maybe to make her look better, maybe to make her look like, uh, I don't know... Like, maybe she's going to transform into a goblin. Whoever thought that was going to fucking happen in just a couple moments. Uh, But she starts feeding him this, like, green goo. And it's obviously something that kind of looks like green Pepto-Bismol. Like, it's so thick. And if I was one of the actors or the actor playing Peter here on the ground, uh, in no way, shape, or form would I want to chug that shit down or even try to eat anything. Even if I was... In this film, not even the actor. Like, she started handing me, oh, her beauty is so blinding that she's going to start feeding me this green goo, and I'm especially going to eat it. The other thing that's kind of going on here is that Grandpa says that Peter starts bleeding, uh, well, sweating green, which is the color of chlorophyll. Okay, I can maybe give you that one. But then he says it's the color of the goblins. And these goblins ain't fucking green. They're like pink pale motherfuckers here they're nowhere near the color of the green that's coming out of the top of his head and basically the goblin whatever that food or substance or whatever it is basically turns peter into a plant to the point that the goblins start eating him now joshua notes one flaw in the story of grandpa you're making a mistake grandpa you said they can you should have said they could or what kind of fairy tale is it? They can. They can. Goblins still exist. Your grandpa Seth is telling you. And how did Peter end up? He began to feel ill. Very ill. He was sweating chlorophyll green. Green? That's right. The color of the goblins, the color of sap, until she appeared to him as she really was horrible 
and mocking. So now we know that goblins can take the form of humans, okay? And we also have another fallacy there. Sap isn't always fucking green. Isn't it usually like amber, brown, somewhere? I mean, that's where the whole Jurassic Park thing came from, right? The sap came over on top of the fucking, you know, mosquitoes. And uh, I don't want to get into that fucking bullshit of the blood being there. And it's still okay inside the mosquito. We're just going to do this. Okay. No hate on Jurassic Park because it's a good fucking movie. But there's flaws in that fucking movie, too. So anyway, let's continue on with Troll 2 instead. Oh, God. Uh, Never mind. I'm just thinking of Jeff Goldblum. Uh, So uh, his mom comes in the room because he's kind of, you know, being loud about the whole thing. And they talk and Grandpa Seth happens to not be real and just like a figment of his imagination. Great. We're doing another one of these things, but we're not stuck 15 minutes into the movie realizing this is a fucking dream. At least Grandpa does show up again sometime later in the film, and it's not all just a dream. Don't want to spoil that for you, but I was glad that we at least went that far in this film. So, him and his mom, he starts talking about how he saw Grandpa. The mom's like, you can't be seeing Grandpa, because Grandpa's fucking dead. So, you need to get that shit out of your head. And then she tucks him in goodnight, she goes to check in on her daughter. I should actually say there was a couple interesting things on the wall in the boys' room, and I know that maybe this isn't something that we need to focus on, but I thought some things were kind of cool. There is a Joker poster on the wall. There's also a Batman poster from the Batman movie. Uh, But the Joker poster looks like it could possibly from the Killing Joke, and I thought that was kind of neat. There's also a Detroit Pistons flag, a Chicago Cubs flag, but why would you be a Cubs fan if you're also a fan of a Detroit team? I guess maybe you don't like the Tigers and you prefer the Cubs. I don't know. It's another one of those. We're just going to put a bunch of random shit in the wall to make sure it looks like a boys room. And it's funny because this movie, even though I say he looks like an 80s kid, it was released in 1990, which is weird. I mean, that was something I was old enough, I guess, to see this movie at that time uh, and had never heard about it until way later. Uh, But... He's got a lot of really interesting stuff on his walls. And there's actually a lot of interesting things in a bunch of different scenes. It leans around the house trying to bring you into the era, I guess. Because when we go to his sister's room, uh, she's all, like, working out, like, sweaty only from the neck up. For some reason, the rest of her body, they didn't decide to try to spray down to show that she's been working out to, I guess, the 90s now. Uh, she actually kind of does... A little bit look like Gene Simmons with that hair. But like a female version that doesn't look horrible. Uh, So I guess she was sweating to the 90s. And she's got like pictures of Johnny Depp and Tom Cruise on her wall. Random people that are up there. Uh, Mom's satisfied that she's uh, okay and she's working out. And so she goes downstairs and she talks with her husband, Michael. Yeah, John, that's Neil Bog, right? Spell it? Yeah. N-I-L-B-O-G. Yeah, we'll be gone around a month. That's right. Yeah, can you take care of that business for me while we're gone? Yeah? That's great. Okay, see you, John. All right, bye. Are the kids sleeping? No, they're more awake than we are. (laughs) They're probably excited about the trip. Do you know how many people live in Nilbog? No, how many? 26, including the presents. Isn't that wonderful? Come on to bed. (sighs) Just think. We'll be living like our ancestors did. Yeah, we'll be peasants and farmers. Just like people did a century ago. Hey, what's the matter? I'm worried about Joshua. 
He's still seeing Grandpa Seth. <laughs> when I was a kid, I had an imaginary playmate, too. But it wasn't your dead grandfather. Yeah, it'll end. This trip will make him forget about your father. Okay, you don't really want him to forget about Grandpa. Second, there's wooden acting. There's stiff acting. <laughs> and then there's this movie where majority of the people are really fucking stiff. I mean, Mom here, she is possibly the worst actor in the entire movie. And this is her, the mom, Diana, right? Uh, Holly isn't much worse, or better, I should say. And uh, Michael, George Hardy, who plays Michael, and who is a focus of that documentary, uh, he is probably the third best actor in this movie where the kid is the best the kid that plays joshua uh michael stephenson and then later when we meet the witch credence uh the actress that plays her is probably the second best actor in this film but uh, there then when we come to her there's chewing the scene and then there's her um it's just so weird like there's this reactions like she's supposed to look sad but she just looks like you're staring at a white fucking wall. You're just looking at it back and forth, back and forth. And there's nothing there. Is there anything in there? Is she just trying to remember what her lines are? And she's just reciting them and, like, staring blankly into the camera because, hey, I can't quite remember my lines if I remember that there's a camera there. Uh, also, you know, they're so nonchalantly worried about their son. Their son's having visions of his dead grandpa and which either means that he really misses him and maybe you should go see somebody or uh that your kid's fucking psycho and you need to have him see somebody uh just don't give him candy corn okay because we know how that turns out for some kids so we go back up to joshua in his room and he starts getting spooked out because he hears noises he thinks it's goblins but lo and behold it's holly's boyfriend elliot and he's at the wrong fucking window so he scares poor little Joshua, and then we cut over to Holly's room to where he scares Holly after he sneaks in through the window. Elliot, what kind of idiotic joke is this? You scared the shit out of me. I'm the victim of a nocturnal rapture. I have to release my lowest instincts with a woman. Oh. Release your instincts in the bathroom. Oh, are you nuts? You trying to turn me into a homo? Wouldn't it be too hard? If my father discovers you here, he'd cut off your little nuts and eat them. He can't stand you. Okay, what? Turn him into a what? A homo? Like, who approved this shit? Honestly, he's gonna turn into a homosexual because she socked him in the nuts because he was being a dick. And then, on top of that... Her dad's so fucking enraged with this kid that he's willing to cut his nuts off and eat them? What the hell? What kind of family does she live in? Also, remember I talked about the acting being stiff? Well, this and many scenes with Holly is like watching a high school play. You remember those when you went back there because you, there was the cute girl or guy that was going to be in them and you thought, oh man, I should go to this play because, you know, maybe she'll or he will see me and uh, I'll, you know, get the apple of his eye and you sit down, you watch it and five minutes into it, you're like, shit, 
Why the fuck did I sit in the front row? I need to get the fuck out of here. How do I do it? No, oh, no, she's made eye contact with me. Uh, uh, I can't get out of here. Oh, I'm going to have to sit through this. And you have to sit through some really shitty rendition of King Lear. And you're like, I just can't take this anymore. And so, oh, wait, sorry. I don't mean to relive high school memories but this is exactly the way that this is between these two people it's seriously like it's like that episode of south park where they had the butt out thing with to stop the kids from smoking and it caused them from to start smoking this is the same thing with this acting here like it makes me want to go outside and fucking you know start a barbecue and make some meat actually no that's later on in the film it's not right now i'm getting ahead of myself here but honestly (laughs) It's just bad. It's just plain bad acting. And it's like we just... These are the first people that we could possibly get to do this script. Okay, let's just put them on there and we're ready to go. Right? One, two, three, act. And this is what we get. <clears throat> so they talk a little bit more. And uh, she explains to poor Elliot here why he's not going to be getting anything from her. Hey! Do you see? What's wrong with having friends? Nothing, if you want to remain a virgin for life. You take them to bed with you, too, and I don't believe in group sex. Wait, 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 wait. Is, is this another thing I never knew about in high school? Is that why I was a virgin for so goddamn long? I mean, uh, that means why I did it so quickly? So it was primarily because I hung out with my friends all the time. And if I never hung out with any friends, I would have had sex with so many girls. And it would have, uh... Lost my virginity at the exactly same time that I lost my virginity at. So, I should have seen this movie a long time ago. I could have learned life lessons. Shit. Troll 2. Making teens not virgins because of their friends. (laughs) Honestly, it makes no fucking sense, right? And then she talks about group sex. It's like, you would just bring your... The reason that we're not gonna fuck is because you'd bring all your friends and I'd be the cum dumpster for everybody. So... I don't want to have one here, one there, you know, all my holes filled. I just want to have the one hole filled for right now. Maybe at a later time, I might be more open to those things. But really right now, I'm more of a one guy type of girl and I just want your cum. So let's not bring your friends into this. And of course, they pop up in the next fucking scene. And she kicks poor Elliot out of the room. We then cut over the next morning because he says, I'm going to go with you. I'll be there. Don't worry about it. Just wait for me. And of course, he never shows up the next morning and they left a half an hour late. So Michael and Holly here, they start getting into an argument and the mom decides she knows the only way to stop them from arguing. Stop it, please. Joshua, start singing. Come on, sing that song I like so much. I don't feel like singing, mom. Just sing Make it stop! Make it stop! That's like the most worst and fucking annoying song for car trips ever! Like, really, it's... Oh my god, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, okay, we need to get this up in the morning. Hey, 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 Josh, you fucking sing. Sing right now. Right now. That's gonna stop everybody from fucking arguing. You better fucking start singing right now. But mom, I don't know. You fucking start singing, little fucker. Uh, Like, really? You're gonna make him 
sing that's good and then you get to sing row 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 your boat like the most annoying fucking car song that there possibly could be next to that fucking beer song because it makes you want beer no matter what age you are and there's only 99 bottles and sometimes you need more (sighs) so they keep driving along and there's actually a scene that i feel was really like a real reaction from somebody driving with them like they decided that hey uh, we're really to capture this scene. We're really gonna drive down the road, but we're not gonna tell anybody that we're filming because a truck like totally beeps at them to get off the goddamn road, and it sounds like at least from the distance and stuff like that, like it's not just an extra or part of the movie. Like somebody really beeped at them because they were annoyed that they were doing what they were doing. I mean, with the film being kind of filmed in the way like a. Uh, well, like a high school project or a student film, I wouldn't put that against the film at all. So they continue driving down the road, and uh, Joshua starts having dreams that he's in the car, and then all of a sudden he starts, well, in the van, I should say, and he starts, like, sweating green all over the face. And then all of a sudden the goblins start coming, and they start trying to eat him, and then he wakes up. Joshua! Was I dreaming? Who wants to eat you, little brother? Nobody. He sure sounds pretty fucking depressed that nobody wants to eat him, doesn't he? I mean, honestly, would that be your reaction? Like, who wants to eat you? Oh, I was having this horrible dream about, you know, these goblins, and they were, like, turning me into a plant, and... Uh, somebody stuck their finger through me, or, or it might not have been a thing, it might have been branches, like, bursting out of my chest, kind of like a chest burster, and, oh my god, I can't believe it. I, I just had the worst fucking nightmare, but, you know what, nobody wants to eat me, hmm, thanks for noticing me, like, really, is that the direction that it really should have had as, for the kid? But we keep following the family down the road, and eventually... Seth sees someone on the side of the road holding a sign that says, Stop them. He urges them to stop the car. Uh, Michael asks something to Joshua about, Do you have to throw up? Which is weird. Wouldn't you be like, Do you have to pee? Wouldn't that be a more neutral, natural response there? Instead of, Hey boy, you gotta puke your fucking guts out? Like, it makes no sense to me. So he says, Yes, they stop the car, and he actually sees Grandpa Seth on the side of the road. Here, Grandpa. What are all of you doing here? You have to make them go back. Why? You're getting yourselves into big trouble. This is a bad place, little one. It even gives me the creeps. So he tries to understand why it gives him the creeps, and he turns around as his family backs up next to him, and Seth turns into a bum who thinks that they were pulling over to pick him up to go hitchhiking. Uh, we then go into the town of Nilbog. Again, that sounds so familiar, doesn't it? Like, maybe it could stand for something else. Uh, I mean, Nilbog? I I guess maybe we'll find out later in the movie or something like that. Well, so they go into the town and they discuss exactly why they're going to be there. Where's the farm? It's over there. Now remember, where the farmer waits. We're country people. Dad! What, Josh? I don't like this place. Can we go home? What? 
Don't listen to him. Lead the way, farmer. Wait. Okay. So I guess Michael at some point has always wanted to be a farmer. It's not really said, but it's kind of inferred because he's so into the whole being with nature and everything. You know, like we heard earlier in the uh, podcast, but he's there and he's pretending to be a farmer to switch lives with another farmer. But aren't they going to realize that they're not farmers when they go to their house and there's no fucking farm? It's all there. And what type of back page did you find this deal on? Like, they never explained how they found out and how they participated in this farmer exchange program. I mean, were they thinking that maybe these guys were Amish and they were going on that one, you know, lifetime mission to determine whether or not they want to keep being Amish or they want to, you know, go into the real world and become, uh, I always forget what the name of it, but uh, one with electronics and one with regular, not regular life, but one with modern life. And I, I just... It doesn't make any sense why this would even exist. And they meet the family. And the family is there and... You're late. Like, they're obviously... It's bad acting, okay? I could not put it past this movie and say that anything in this movie is good acting. But you have these people that are just sitting there or standing there and staring at you. And you're like, huh, I guess it's okay. Let's not worry about it at all. And the other red flag happens after they exchange house keys with them. One, you know, again, stiff acting, and it's not really believable on that part. But the boy of the family, he throws a ball, and the ball says, eat before we eat you. And it's read by Joshua, right? And he's holding the ball, and he reads it, and he kind of looks at him, and looks like he's perplexed. Like, what does that mean? But wouldn't you show the ball to your family? Like, you just heard all these stories about goblins eating people and turning them into plants and doing all this stuff. You're having nightmares of the whole thing. And then you get this ball with green fucking writing on it. And it says, eat before we eat you. You wouldn't tell anybody? Nothing? Nothing at all? It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, So they go inside and there's a giant spread on the table. And it's all covered in weird green goop. But everybody seems to think that, oh man, this is going to be fucking delicious. Uh, Joshua is called over by his grandpa, Seth, who happens to show up once again. And he tells him, you gotta stop them from eating this stuff. They cannot eat it. So, what's the most logical thing that he could do? Well, one, he freezes time somehow. Like, everybody is just frozen as he's trying to think of, you know, what's going on? How can I stop them from eating the food? Maybe I can hit it out of their hands or... Maybe I can start crying uncontrollably. Uh, Maybe I can start a distraction. Maybe I can set the table on fire. No, the best possible way to do it is to piss all over the fucking food, which, of course, gets him in trouble. No, Daddy, please! Don't hit him, Michael. Please don't hit him. Why not? It's what he deserves. A big spanking for little shit. Joshua is not a little shit. He's just very sensitive. The smells. Okay, that's how Michael Myers started, too. You're babying the poor little kid. Let him get his ass beat by his dad. Otherwise, he seems like a pretty normal kid that talks to his dead grandpa. So upstairs, Michael (laughs) takes Joshua to his room, and we get one of the more rememberable lines from the entire movie. Do you see this writing? Do you know what it means? Hospitality. 
And you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it! What are you going to do to me, Daddy? Tighten my belt by one loop so I don't feel hunger pains. And your sister and mother will have to do likewise. Okay, Joshua, you want to get rough with me? You want to show me that you don't like the choice of this house for our vacation by going on a hunger strike? Well, I'll accept the challenge. But just remember, when I was your age, I really did suffer from hunger. We'll see who gets through this. But just remember, I've got more practice than you. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Peace, Dad. Now, one thing I did forget to mention, uh, and it only happens kind of fleeting, as they're driving uh, to Nilbog, they do see Elliot and his bros in an RV, and they manage to, well, she manages to flip them off. Somehow, they actually manage to maybe see it, but they notice that that's them in the van that's going there, and the bros, they end up uh, on the side of the road outside of town. Now, we go over to those bros, uh, and, and again, if you don't know what the classic line is from that, it's, uh, you don't piss on hospitality. Okay. And that's a big thing from the documentary as well. Um, and I, I do like the candor at the end of it where he's just like, I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh, see you tomorrow, dad. Um, I guess you're really mad at me. I'm such a bad kid and this is punishing me because I'm, not gonna eat the stuff that I didn't want to eat anyway and you guys weren't supposed to eat at all and then you have it fade kind of on pictures all over the walls of all these creepy goblins that happen to be in the room because nothing weird is going on in the town of Nilbog of course again there's something about that name I can't put my finger on it Anyway, so we go over to the bros in the van, and everybody's sitting there. They're watching some classic uh, monster movie on TV, and I always forget what the name of it is. Uh, But uh, they are discussing where the hot babes are, because the reason that he got his friends to go was because, hey, there's going to be all these virgin babes that are going to go be there, and you're going to be able to slay them all the time. And that gets the three friends of his, uh, Arnold, Drew... And, of course, how could we forget about Brent? So, they're all sitting there, and, and Brent is the use, most useless fucking character in the entire movie. At least, Arnold and Drew get to do a couple of things in a bit. But Brent, he gets to do something as well, but it's the most pointless scene, and you could just cut his entire character out of the movie. It's like we need an extra 12 minutes to make an hour and a half. Uh, let's do something with this character that nobody really gives a shit about. Nobody really gives a shit about anybody but Joshua, to be honest. Uh, at least I didn't while watching this movie. But nobody really gives a shit about Brent. So Arnold decides that, okay, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to get some fresh air. And in the distance, he sees this girl. She's running away, but her clothes are all torn. So he chases after her. And then when he finally catches up to her, what does he do? tackles her to the fucking ground because that's the way to show that hey you know what i'm actually a good guy and of course she mistakes him for something else who are you who are you are you one of the monsters well i've been called a lot of things but not a monster you're human very human you want to see did he just make a dick joke like seriously what is he going to show her that's going to prove that he's a human other than his dick? Well, maybe he's going to, like, scratch his arm. Or maybe he'll take a knife out and he'll play the knife game with his hand and then he'll stab his hand and blood will start gushing everywhere. And that'll convince her, hey, he's not a monster. He's a human being. Well, 
after this confrontation with this girl, all of a sudden, the goblins show up. And man, oh man, these are the worst looking costumes I've ever seen. And there's one in particular that is the ugly goblin, and you will know which one I'm talking about when you fucking see it. So he goes up to them, and she's like, oh, there they are. And he tries to be the big man and stands up to them. And you can tell that even he can't even believe that these things are real with these ridiculously fake-looking costumes. Uh, This causes him to have a confrontation scene with them. And he starts telling them about how you better leave her alone because you know you guys are, you know, Messing with the wrong Sasquatch and burda burda bur, look at me, I'm the big man right here protecting this lady. And so the goblins in the worst cut, worst slow-mo, worst animated, whatever you want to call it, scene of them throwing a fucking spear, throws the spear and it lands into his arm. And he's just like, and remember, schnick. And then they run away. Like, it's... It's so ridiculously horrible that you're just laughing. You're laughing so much because you can't believe that this is actually going into a scene. So, in the distance, he's screaming, and then we're back in the RV, and they're wondering what the screams they're hearing actually are. Hey, did you guys hear that yell? It was probably just Arnold deflowering a nilbog virgin. (laughs) No, 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 that wasn't the scream of a woman, that was Arnold. (laughs) <laughs> well, then it was probably a girl from Nilbog deflowering Arnold. <laughs> probably. Okay, that's supposed to be funny, I guess. Uh, the whole bro thing, oh, well, he must be screwing some girl, oh yeah. Like, they're in the middle of nowhere on the side of the road. Are they just fucking wandering women wherever they're from? Like, you look on the street, look, there's a virgin there, there's a virgin there, there's a virgin there. Uh, that one's a cum dumpster, so you don't want to deal with that one. But look, there's another virgin over there. Uh, instead, it's like, okay, well, you know, if you're going to get attacked, and that's going to be you screaming, then the cum dumpster's the one on top of you. I, I just... I, I don't get it. Like, they're, they're just these kind of poorly written scenarios that are just kind of annoying. So, they run away and happen to get away from goblins. He's bleeding. And this is where we get introduced to the witch, Credence. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Credence Leonor Gilgold of ancient. Ancestors came from Stonehenge. Okay, first off, you need to do something about that hair. Second off, you need to do something about them lips. Like, you got herpes or some type of fucking cold blister thing to the fucking max. And three, are you wearing braces or are your teeth just mildly colored black for some reason? Or, like, gray? Like, is it supposed to be, like, grime or something that is on your teeth? But doesn't really look like that it looks like maybe you've been eating shit uh and it's just completely it's weird fucking makeup like it makes no sense in the the mouth the mouth just drives me fucking insane kind of like the mouth uh of joshua with my wife driving her insane the credence's mouth is so disgusting that i can't and it gets worse as the movie moves on too i just 
get yourself some fucking chapstick lady please please for the love of god and she completely chews up every scene in this movie and i actually enjoy the way that she does it to be completely honest with you it's it's terrible yes and you'll hear more of how terrible it is but at the same time it's very entertaining to watch so while they're in this situation the girl that she's with she starts having these pains after being given this brew because the witch says hey we use our natural herbs to heal us here there's no hospitals so she starts going crazy and she goes upstairs arnold here he starts wondering what the hell's going on hey lady what's happened to her to which the witch just keeps telling him shut the fuck up and she's just enjoying what's going on and eventually she collapses onto the floor and she starts transforming she starts transforming into a plant and the goblins finally show up And then they're going to eat me! Oh my god! Okay, that's also the second most famous line in this entire movie. And it is the first time that I heard him say, Oh my god! Was probably one of the funniest fucking times that I've ever seen in a horror movie, ever. Uh, and it still gets me every time when he does it. And it's one of those cliched things to know and like the line, but God damn it. If I don't fucking love the way that it's delivered in such a deadpan way and just the realization that he has, Oh my God, she's turned to a plant. They're eating her. Oh, then they're, I'm going to turn to, then they're going to eat me. Oh no. That's basically what we've got here. So the the goblins devour the poor girl. And we go back over to the house that the waits are all staying at. Uh, we have poor Holly. She's in front of the mirror. And she's about ready to tell Elliot what choice he needs to make. Dear Elliot Cooper, tomorrow morning will be your final judgment. Either me or your boys. Take it or leave it. The beautiful Holly Waits or your lovely little boys. Make a choice, Elliot. Yeah, Elliot. Do you want this nubile young girl right here who's willing to give herself up to you? Or do you want to hang out with your boys in your RV, shirtless, sleeping in the same bed? I think you know the choice is clear. Well... While she's making this speech, all of a sudden the lights start to flicker and Grandpa Seth shows up, scaring the living shit out of her. She runs downstairs to get a hold of everybody, and they all come back and they don't see anything in the room, which leads Michael to believe that his daughter is smoking dope, and he's, he actually tells her, he says, You haven't been smoking dope again, have you? To which she says, Father, I promise I haven't. So, she used to be a dopehead, and now she's not, so you're cool with it? Like, you were cool with it before, or she got caught, or something went... Like, there's a whole storyline here that we're not getting into, but I feel that that's, again, like, a lot of times in this movie, I think there were lines that were forgotten, and they just fucking made something up, and, like, it was supposed to be, you're not smoking dope, are you? But he couldn't quite remember that that's all he was supposed to do, and he added the again, and then when she recited her line the right way, 
and where it's supposed to sound, oh, no, I'm not smoking pot. I just saw something weird. It makes you seem like, hey, you used to be a stoner, and now you're not anymore. So what the hell's going on? How the hell do you see all this shit? So at this point, Josh, though, he feels like he's been vindicated because Grandpa actually showed up. Holly decides, I can't sleep in this fucking room. So Josh says, you know what? I'll sleep there. And when everybody leaves, he decides to call on poor Grandpa Seth. What happened? You were in the wrong room. Holly was sleeping there. I still have to learn the layout of this house. Well, I'm glad to see you, Grandpa. Did you see? I managed to keep them from eating. Now, you have to convince them to leave here. This is an evil place. It is the kingdom of the goblins. But why don't you tell my mommy and daddy these things? They don't listen to me. Your mother has never taken my advice. That's why she married that good for nothing. Hey, you're talking about the kid's dad there. You know, and he doesn't seem like he's good for nothing because he seems to support that family pretty fucking well. To the point that he's able to swap out and pretend to be a farmer for a couple weeks by taking them to the town of Nilbog, where everybody seems normal and nobody's fucking weird, right? And then you, you just called your daughter a bad daughter in front of your son. Like, oh, that little bitch, she never would listen to me anyway. Oh my god, I can't believe what she's doing. And it just... Uh, it's frustrating. It's honestly frustrating. We cut over to the morning, and we see Drew, and he's looking into an empty fridge. We also over look over, and there's Brent and Elliot laying shirtless together next to each other in the bed. I'm not going to infer something, but maybe that hit into the balls really did something to Elliot. So... He decides that, hey, I'm going to go into town because there's absolutely nothing in the fridge because nobody thought, hey, maybe we need to go get supplies before we go for a weekend out in the country or a vacation out in the country and try to avoid my girlfriend. And so he decides, I'm going to jog into town. While Drew starts his jog into town, we switch over to the Waite family and Diana is trying to cook something for breakfast. But all that's in the fridge is milk. And it's not just regular milk, it's spoiled fucking milk. And it's not just spoiled fucking milk, it's Nilbog Farms milk. Nilbog Farms. High in vitamins. Spoiled as fuck. So they go and Michael and Joshua decide that they're going to go into town. Well, Michael decides that he's going to take Joshua's them into town. And they're going to go to the general store and they're going to try to get some coffee, some bacon, some eggs and everything like that. We cut back over to Drew and he's jogging along the highway, and a random cop of Nilbog County stops him and asks him, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm just going to the general store. And so he's like, All right, no problem. Hey, you want a ride? I'll give you a ride into town. And he's like, Cool, yeah, I'll totally take a ride, because who doesn't trust a fucking cop? So while he's in the cop car, the sheriff or whatever he is, uh, leans over him and says, Hey, kid, you hungry? And he hands him some food. And it's more of that green crap food. Like, dude's every single resident somehow have this food on them for some reason it makes no fucking sense like i'm just just in case i run by and i see a stranger here i've got green shit for you to eat so drew does eat the green shit turns out that it's pretty tasty kind of looks like a hamburger but it just looks like maybe it's two buns and some green goop in between so i guess it's kind of like a veggie sloppy joe if you think about it they drive into town and drew goes into the general store 
what's funny here that I at least find is that it you he pulls up right and everything is completely and utterly empty and it's not until he starts to walk into the store there is a shit ton of people in the shot like not like I'm not talking like 30 or fucking people but when you go from nobody to even like 10 people in the shot it feels so crowded and like where were these people these people just hung out in front of the fucking general store for no unknown reason like they're just there waiting for somebody to come in or did the cop like somehow use you know ESP and send it over to him like through his mind or through the network of a hive mind and say hey I'm coming with a kid and you guys gotta help him it just it's weird that looks like it's just so cut so horribly that you're like nobody everybody nobody everybody and then when he goes inside the general store nobody's fucking there like they decided maybe we should have had some people out in the front because these two scenes look way too empty so he strolls up to the counter you see some candy in some of the jars and stuff like that and he meets the least suspicious guy in the entire fucking town can i help you coffee there's no coffee here in Nilbog. it's the devil's drink eggs Eh! bacon are you crazy boy we're vegetarians here in Nilbog. didn't you know that Here's some Nilbog milk. Special milk. High in vitamin content. Here is free. Free? Of course it's free. We love tourists here in Nilbog. Try some, boy. And have some of your friends drink some also. Thank you. Okay, because that ain't suspicious at all. Let me go and take the milk from the guy that one doesn't chalk like a fucking normal human. Of course, everybody, again, acts so fucking stiff and wooden in this movie that I guess you would never know. And it ain't suspicious that he's giving it to you for free. And he's like, make sure all your friends drink it too. All he needs to do add to that is... <laughs> no, really, make sure all your friends drink it. I'm a totally normal guy. I am human. You know... <laughs> the other thing is... You know that these people are fucking goblins, right? You know this by this point in the movie. So let's talk about... Every goblin is a fucking vegetarian... And hates fucking meat. No, what? No, we're gonna save it because there's a scene coming up that is going to put these thoughts into words. The thoughts of the town. So he leaves the store. They stop him. They said, Hey, are you friends with some guy? And he's like, Arnold? He's like, Yeah, that guy. Go to the place that used to be a church and you'll find him there. He wants to speak with you. Okay, like that's not a little weird either, but he decides, Oh, okay. And he's starting to sweat green a little bit. We cut to Credence, and she's talking to something that she calls her little flower. Good morning, my little flower. Oh, don't need to worry about the closed mouth. You didn't have anything to say anyway, right? With this, you will become strong. And beautiful. Now, 
I am going to welcome our new neighbors. I have just prepared this pudding with wild nettles and a few organic additives to make it delicious and purify the intestines. Yes. She is using the water pail and saying that this is going to give you life. I know it means water, but it's pretty funny to think that she means the actual pail itself. And then as the camera turns and you see, it's Arnold. And he is becoming Groot. Like, seriously, I know this is before Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's fucking Groot. Like, the way that he's got the thing on his face and everything like that. The way the branch is forming around. The way that his feet are going. So, Groot was born in Nilbog. Think about that for a second. What a grandiose idea that he actually was born on our planet, transformed by goblins, sent into space, met a raccoon, and saves the fucking universe. And it all starts with Troll 2. So, we go back over to Joshua and Michael pulling up into town. They notice that the, the store has been closed now. And so he decides that he's going to wait. I don't understand why he's going to wait. I would rather just, you know, go out of town and get exactly what I need from outside of the community if the local general store is closed. I mean, it can't be that far of a drive, right? You could just go to another town somewhere nearby and be like, especially there's like signs, right? On a freeway, it would show you next village or, you know... The next town, Nogard, is just a little ways down the road, right? You know, Nilbog is first, and then you move on to Nogard. Wait, that sounds familiar, too. Anyway, so he sits down there, and he, uh, Michael waits in front of the store, and he picks up... Oh, come on! Vegetable cookbook? Are you fucking kidding me, film? Are you, like... You think that you're putting, like, cute little signs and everything everywhere. Oh, look, you're vegetarians, and of course the goblins are too. Like, I can't believe this fucking bullshit. And then, here comes the big revelation of the movie. See, this entire time, I thought this place was just called Nilbog because it was Nilbog. But honestly, it's because... Nilbog! It's goblins spelled backwards! This is their kingdom! Oh my god, you just blew my fucking mind. He looks into a fucking rear view mirror, he sees the sign that says Nilbog, and of course it says Goblin. Just like Nordrag is, or Nogard is just dragon backwards, right? No? No, it's not? Producer's telling me that it's not. It's, it's really... Nogard. That, that you got to be fucking kidding me. So you're telling me maybe that this isn't true? No, but this is true. Okay, okay. So this is this is goblin. Okay. Really, have you not figured this out? You could have figured this out when you first said fucking Nilbog. Like this is the worst revelation in the revelations of ever having a revelation inside of a fucking film. Oh boy. So we go from this he runs off by the way he just fucking runs like dad falls asleep over here i'm just gonna go off on my own because i figured out this place was called goblin instead of nilbog we go and credence now is showing up at the uh the house that the weights are staying in 
and she does scare Diane a little bit, but she manages to introduce herself in a proper way. Good morning. I am your neighbor. I am Credence Leonor Gilgold. Good morning. Mom, I'm going for a walk. Hello, beautiful. Hi. She is very appetizing. Appetizing? Provocative. I thought you might enjoy one of my ancient recipes. It's a traditional dish in these parts. Oh, but you shouldn't have gone to so much trouble. No trouble, really. No, neighbor. Like, really? <laughs> Again, she chews up the scenery so much, and she's just, like, it's so horrible, even the way that she pronounces things and goes on. I mean, I almost feel like I'm watching that that really horrible movie, Evil Clutch. I feel like I'm watching that again when I'm listening to these people talk. Uh, or at least especially her. I understand that maybe she's trying to play the fact that she's a goblin inside of a woman's body who has horrible fucking hair and a horrible mouth. It's gotten worse. Okay? It... it it looks like wouldn't you be freaked out oh like i don't know if i want to eat anything that you made because what if you accidentally like drooled in the food but she's just like oh, okay and then she talks about her like her daughter is like provocative and appetizing like wouldn't you be worried like she's gonna jump my daughter's bones like that's pretty much what's gonna happen in the next couple scenes if i don't uh protect her from this creepy fucking herpy filled mouth witch that's in front of me the other thing that gets me about this scene is at the end when she says the final line she like blatantly looks in the camera and basically winks to the audience like hey audience you know i'm the bad guy here wink wink like it's so fucking horrible what was the decision to do this? Like, we know you're the bad guy. We know you're not, you shouldn't be fooling her at all. It makes no sense whatsoever why you would need to turn to the camera and fucking wink. Oh, boy. So we go back over to Joshua. And now he's looking around and he's, here's something kind of going on in the distance. He sees that a bunch of the townspeople, they've all gotten together inside this warehouse. So he goes upstairs to where it's all rickety and falling apart, somehow doesn't fall through everything, and finds a spot where he can listen in on them. Symbol of original sin, which is consumed and caused the fall of the human race, which is so dear to us. Flesh! And by flesh, I mean all that stinking, disgusting meat. Ugh. Hamburgers. Ugh. Steaks. The steak sausages. And hot dogs. Sold by the side of the road. The stink of smoked carcasses. Ugh. Ugh. The humans nourish themselves with 
violating their own bodies, infecting themselves, creating uncurable ailments, smelly bladders, nest of infection, clusters of hemorrhoids, vicious, stinky, And of course, he knocks down his skateboard down there, and they find out that he's got him. Now, there's a lot of really weird camera angles in here. I guess kind of to give you the thought that you're viewing it through his eyes, but they kind of don't work, to be honest with you. They're just awkward, and you, you're looking around the room, and they could have done it in a way maybe from his vantage point, but it doesn't really feel like it's a kid's vantage point. The other thing is the moment that he knocks the skateboard down, it comes and it hits, and then a hand just fucking reaches through the ceiling and grabs him by the face, but you never see him pull him down through the roof by his face. I just need to know, how did he get up there that fast? Because there's nobody around him, and there's nobody that tall or that long of a reach to just reach up there, grab his face so fast. I understand it's supposed to be something that's frightening and scary, but it really kind of doesn't work in... in the big picture of things. The other thing is, let's talk about vegetarianism. And let's talk about Mondo Stinky Dukes. Like, he basically comes out and says, you know, they're trying to explain why they they hate humans, and it's because humans are carnivores, and they're vegetarians. And so now we've got evil vegetarians, because all goblins are inherently evil, and we've got the good meat eaters over here on this side. It's almost like the anti-Rob Zombie wrote this movie, right? It's like, we're going to champagne. If you do not eat meat, you are nothing more than a stinky, ugly fucking goblin. And honestly, we don't have stinky shits. We don't have, you know, high cholesterol, all this shit. These goblins are just wrong. You eat plants, you're going to turn into a fucking plant, and then the vegetarians are going to fucking eat you. Like, that's what I get out of this. This this entire thing. And, and in a lot of this movie, it's it's a very anti-vegetarian statement that they make throughout there. And the fact that he says they have, that carnivores have very stinky excrement, or they take smelly shits, is fucking hilarious. Uh, it's, it's odd, the way that he said it, especially since they've already sworn once in the movie, why couldn't they have just said shit? Or even poop. Poop would have been funny, but they try to be somewhat serious by saying excrement. But excrement is funnier to me than both poop and shit. Of course, if he had said that they take stanky dukes, I think I would have lost my fucking mind. Because dukes is one of the funniest words in the world. I don't care what anybody says. So, he grabs him and why while he, we're waiting to find out what the fate of Joshua is, we move back over to uh, Holly, who's approaching Elliot's RV. He comes out of the RV, buttoning up his shirt like he's just done something with somebody on the inside. And when she confronts him to talk about his friends and why he's here with his friends, he says something kind of smart. She socks him in the face, and then we go back over to uh, what's gone on with Joshua. And he's now strapped down... And the goblins are preparing ice cream for him. Because every kid loves ice cream. Of course he wants to eat ice cream. And you get one of the creepier uh, chanting scenes in the movie. 
Michael comes in at the last moment and saves Joshua from being force-fed the ice cream that everybody was trying to do. And what's weird in this scene is it keeps going back and forth between some of the goblins being goblins and and a mixture of goblins and humans to just humans. You never get everybody being goblins. You really just get the ugly goblin and the one goblin with the big teeth that they use a bunch in this film and a couple other different goblins and then going back over to them being human then back to being mixture of goblins and they keep using the ugly one over and over and over and over and over over again and the other thing i want to point out is it just me or does the main preacher guy look like kenny loggins did in the 80s i mean seriously i'm ready for him to start singing i'm all right or, you know, of course, Danger Zone. I'm, I'm just not going to get through that right now. But honestly, Kenny Loggins is the fucking evilest preacher in this fucking movie. He's the only preacher, and he's evil. So, he's also one of the ones holding him down. But when Michael runs in to save everybody, he tries to save Faye, saying, Hey, you know, uh, we're just, you know, we're just the kid. We're trying to give him some ice cream. Hey, we're good guys. And we're not the bad people that you said we, well, he says that we were. Of course, Joshua turns around and says, no, they're goblins. Uh, Michael doesn't know what to do, so he takes Joshua out of there and he runs. Uh, While going back to the farm, he notices on the side of the road that his daughter is there with that quote-unquote playboy loser. I think you're wrong, sir. I think he's just a loser. Uh, And they're talking on the side of the road. So he pulls over to pick them up. And of course, uh, Elliot here, he wants to apologize to Michael. So, kids, how's life? Listen, Mr. Waits. Wait, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to speak to people who arrive late and upset their girlfriends. You've given me a bad impression. Come on, Dad. Well, get in the car and talk, Holly, okay? Listen, Mr. Waits, we need to have a serious talk. If you want to have a serious talk, you'll have to forget about your friends to come to our house. Otherwise, you forget about Holly. All right, I'm coming. Hey, wait a minute, Elliot. You're going to leave me here alone? Yes. But what do I tell Drew and Arnold? Tell whatever you want. What am I going to do? Take the camper. Do what you want. Yeah, just, you know, I'm do whatever you want because I want to get dad's permission to fuck his daughter. Do you understand this? This is what I want to do. I want to go with them. I want to make sure I get a good impression so that way I can spend the night and we can bone all night long. Like, isn't that just the, the way it is? I mean... I'm sorry, this place is pretty creepy, and I don't mean to leave you all here by yourself, especially when you don't have food. Uh, You were probably running out of gas because we've been running electricity in this RV the whole time, just standing here on the side of the road, watching TV, not really doing anything, not going out and finding the chicks. Arnold's gone, Drew's gone, they're probably fucking dead, but I'm just going to leave you here by yourself so maybe I can go and fuck this girl right here. Is that okay with you? Oh, it's fine? All right. We cut back over and Drew has showed up at the old church. He runs inside and he sees, uh, after much staggering of course, because the effects of the food is starting to take hold on him. And he's, he's, well I wouldn't say bleeding, but he's sweating more and more green. So he sweats more and more and then finally he realizes that Arnold is there and he rips off the thing in front of his mouth. Arnold tells him that, hey, you've got to get me out of here. And to which Drew, he can't quite figure out how to do it, to which Arnold also tells him, just grab the bottom of the pot, you fucking idiot. Well, not in so many words. But he doesn't have the strength to do it. And meanwhile, Credence, she shows up, bitch slaps the fuck out of Drew right on onto her bed, 
and she realizes the little flower there was trying to leave. You were thinking of leaving us, little flower? No, please, ma'am. You will be punished for this. Ma'am, I beg you, uh, what are you gonna do? To, what are you gonna do to me with that? I'm going to make a nice shake for your friend. But this won't hurt you. You just feel a little tickle, little flower. <laughs> So the makeup that is used for the tree and and that stuff is actually pretty good. It's probably the best looking thing in the whole goddamn movie. Still looks a little plasticky and fake, but I can kind of forgive that for this. I can't necessarily forgive the goblin masks and everything for looking fake, especially something from 1990. But the outfit that is, or the makeup that is used for Arnold is actually pretty good. And even the scene with the chainsaw it's not bad but she does make a milkshake from them for drew to drink i guess that you never actually see him consume you see it there on the side of the table but you never see anything and then did she cut up arnold completely or she just shaved what she needed off of him to make the milkshake these things are never explored and you never really see from these two characters ever the fuck again we go back now to the house as they pull up uh, with everybody in tow, we see that there's a bunch of cars in front of the house, and music is playing loudly. Oh, Michael! Look what a surprise they have prepared for us! Finally, I am so hungry! What are you doing here, Elliot? Mom, Elliot's part of the family now. Oh, Elliot! What a pleasure to see you again, Mr. Waits. We wanted to make up for the misunderstandings we had a little while ago. Look, all the people of Nilbog have decided to give you a party. We even have a little food. A little food? They prepared a whole feast! Dance, my children. Dance and eat. Eat. Joshua, I've had enough. I'm sick of this. I want you to go to your room immediately. We've got a couple of things to talk about here. First, Elliot is all of a sudden a part of the fucking family. Like, everybody's cool with whatever Elliot did. He fucked with your daughter, not fucked her yet. He, you know, brought all of his friends when he wasn't supposed to. But the fact that he left them at the last minute, that's okay. And now all of a sudden... He's son Elliot. He's a part of the fan. She's moving too fucking fast. That is a psycho bitch. He needs to get the fuck out of that place right the fuck now. And then you look over at the preacher guy and he's like, dance monkeys, dance. Everybody fucking dance, dance, motherfucker, dance, dance. 
Like, it's like the mom when she told Joshua to fucking sing. Like, hey, we got to convince him that we're all fun-loving and shit. So you guys dance, monkeys. Dance. I just... And then they, of course, oblige. Then we have to see the food. Again, it seems like everybody... They all talk about, oh, the food looks so delicious. But it just looks like it's a bunch of cakes and shit. Like, it's all fucking sweets. Nothing is a regular dish like you could probably hide your evil intentions a little better when you have some type of like if you made like an eggplant parmesan let's say and that's what you have in the, now that could be like you could have a green a tomatillo type sauce right or vegetable enchiladas with a tomatillo sauce something fucking different than cake pudding cookie whatever with whatever green fucking goop you have over everything like eventually i would think like man are they just trying to fucking fatten me up because they're giving me nothing but fucking sweets i don't fucking get it so he gets sent to his room he starts calling joshua starts calling for his grandpa seth to see if he can help uh this is probably one of the few jump scares in the movie where one of the goblins actually jumps through the mirror at him Starts wrestling around with him. And of course, Seth comes out of the middle of nowhere and chops right into the goblin's hand. And the goblin flies back through the mirror in a reverse effect of him jumping through the mirror. And you actually see that that was Credence and her hand is now missing. But she's able to repair herself with the power of the Stonehenge Stone. And can we park it here for a second? I think that she got that Stonehenge Stone from Spinal Tap. Because honestly, how does she fit that fucking thing inside of her? I know they say that the stones of Stonehenge aren't as large as you think they are. But honestly, it looks like it's like her height or maybe goblin height. Maybe it's probably a little bit bigger than goblin height. It's more like Michael's height, let's say. But I imagine that the stones in Stonehenge are probably a little bit bigger than that, right? And if you manage to get one of those stones, one, stateside, two, through customs, three, inside of a church, you'd want it to be bigger than it actually was. Instead, what you did, you had a nice replica from some company that made it to the scale on the piece of paper that you had. And luckily for them, they didn't fuck up like Spinal Tap did and didn't end up with a three-inch fucking Stonehenge uh, stone instead of, you know, the regular about maybe nine-foot Stonehenge stone that they got. So the grandpa, Seth, at this time, he decides that we need to cause another distraction. And the distraction that they need to do is they need to start a fire and Grandpa Seth will put it out. So he hands the kid a Molotov cocktail and they go outside. Looking through the window, they're ready to start hatching their plan because everybody, all the goblins, uh, I mean people, they're all surrounding the Waits and Elliot and they're waiting for them to eat. And right about when they're going to set the fuel to the fire... Kenny Loggins comes out and interrupts the fun. Hurry, let's put some fuel on the fire. <gasps> Cut it out, kid. You'll never be able to stop us. And as for you, old man, go back to your kingdom of shadows. I order you! the sacred power of the magic stone and his lord go
How did you learn the trick if you weren't in hell? And why are you being banished back to hell if you were never in hell? There are some things that are totally wrong here with this situation, but it's never really explored. All we know is that he somehow learned a trick and he sets the poor Kenny Loggins preacher on fucking fire. He explodes the Molotov in his hand and that causes enough of a stiff to get everybody out there and to stop the family from eating the food. When they put the fire out, we see that... It is actually a goblin that's there, which freaks out the rest of the family. And then it, the whole f- goblin clan outside turns out, you shouldn't have done that. He was just Kenny Loggins. And so they all decide to turn on the family. But the problem is they really don't do anything. They allow them to just slowly walk back into the house. Like if I was a pissed off goblin clan and you just killed maybe one of our leaders of the whole goblin clan... I would turn to goblins right there and claw your fucking eyes out, you know, rip out your stomachs, force the fucking food down your throat so that way I can eat you after I beat you to fucking death. But instead, they're like, no, go back in the house. And in fact, you know what? We're going to bring you some sandwiches, but you better make sure you eat them. There's sandwiches for tonight in here. It will go easier if you eat them. You'll make our work easier. Otherwise... So they come up with the plan that they need to get Grandpa Seth back somehow. And the way that they're going to do is they're going to hold a seance. Now we come to the most pointless part of the entire movie. See, the stone is able to, one, regenerate Credence's hand. And then the other thing, it's actually, she prays to it to get power. That's not pointless. I can get that because they're losing the fight. One of the guys got down. She wants to turn herself into whatever more powerful blah 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 but what she does is she does it to turn herself looking normal like it clears up her skin her hair looks better she doesn't have that bullshit all over her fucking lips like everything's cool okay so you became more powerful i guess maybe that's what that means and what does she do with it she does it to go have popcorn inducing sex with brent yeah she shows up at the rv convinces him that she's there and she's real he brings her inside she shows him the corn and is like don't you want some aren't you hungry for my corn and he's like yeah but he's thinking you know i'm gonna get some where this freaky bitch come from and so she pushes him on the bed puts the corn in between them and they start making out through the fucking corn and then the power corn start popping everywhere and the scene is fucking pointless it, it you think it's gonna go somewhere you think it's gonna oh she's just gonna kill him off and that's the way it's gonna be no it goes absolutely nowhere because we do come back later to this scene and he's just covered in fucking popcorn there's no point to the scene this is a fucking like 10 minute scene that was just there to pad the fucking movie like, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be funny. It's not funny at all. It's just fucking corn and popcorn and, like, banging. And it's not even really banging. It's mostly just corn and fucking popcorn and making out through the corn. So we go back. They have the seance. And they bring Seth back. Joshua, 
Joshua! Dad! That's not possible. I knew you wouldn't leave us, Grandpa. That's the voice of your grandpa? Yes. We have only ten minutes. When that clock starts striking six, I'll disappear. And now it is forever. Together we can destroy the magic stone that gives the goblins their power. Concentrate, Joshua. Concentrate. So Joshua falls flat on the table and kind of knocks out. They all try to wake him up, and lo and behold, he becomes this goblin. And then he starts attacking the family and the rest of the goblins. They're now all attacking hardcore because they didn't eat the fucking sandwiches. And if they just would eat the fucking sandwiches, they wouldn't have to attack him so bad and try to rip them apart. Uh, there is a really horrible scene of one of the goblins falling downstairs after he jumps on top of Michael, and he looks like he's got a ton of cushion in the back and a ton of cushion in the front. Like, there's the stunt guy in the costume, and we're going to protect him the best that we can as he falls down the stairs. Oh, we actually find out that Joshua has not turned into a goblin, but he's actually at the church, and he's uh, basically trying to figure out what's kind of going on. We also go back over to the house and we see that the goblins don't really seem like they're chasing them anymore. And all of a sudden the goblins start attacking them from both sides of the hallway of the house. One of the goblins gets hit in the groin and and the family gets away from the goblins that they're in the house. Back with the goblins over with now chasing around Joshua around the church. They start coming out and we find out that Grandpa Seth has a really mean right hook. They go up to the statue and he explains exactly what they need to do to get the Stonehenge statue to turn on the goblins. Grandpa, where have you been? Take this. Keep it. You can only take out the contents when you really need it. Do you understand? I understand. And now? Here it is. The Stonehenge... Magic stone, the goblin's magic power. So he tells them, besides giving him something, like a, he gives him like a backpack that has something in it that he can help him, he tells them that all they need to do is touch the stone. What kind of bullshit failsafe do you have on this thing? Really? This is worse than the fucking, at least the Death Star, right? There is a self-destruct button which shouldn't be in the fucking thing in the first place. But at least you have to shoot something through the hole the size of a womp rat. Whereas here, all you have to do is fucking lay on hands on the fucking stone. And as long as you're good, it'll dissipate the goblins and that's it. Dunzo. Don't have to worry about them anymore. How fucking retarded is this? This is the worst way to get rid of a villain I've ever heard in anything possible. Oh boy. We go back to the family, and they've now been backed into the basement. All the goblins have started to push in, and they have all these shitty self-made spears, and we, we don't know what the fate of them is going to be. We go back over to the church, and of course, Grandpa and Grandson are touching the stones. But Grandpa... He's starting to fade. Grandpa, nothing's happening. Something has happened now, Joshua. I'm leaving. 
Grandpa, not now. Joshua, I have to do this once again. Remember, it's only the power of goodness that can defeat the goblins. Goodbye forever. Goodbye, Grandpa. Now, Credence has come out of the RV at this point as well, and she's left Brent alone, again, proving there was no point to this scene because she didn't get anything from him. She didn't turn him into anything. She left him in a pile of popcorn, and when she came out, she was all even worse than she's been the entire movie, where her mouth is completely cut up. Ugh. Ugh. It is the most disgusting thing. Like, why do they think they needed to do that for the makeup for this person? I just don't get it. That infection is bad. Go get yourself some Herpacil or something. Please, fix that up. I think this is just a fucking advertisement for a Breva or some shit like that. Like, clear your fucking face up. Lip balm is not gonna fucking help you now. And of course... The power of goodness is what needs to prevail. Whatever goodness is, I don't know if this kid has it. He pissed all over his fucking family's food. If that's not, if that's good, then fuck, I must be a fucking saint, right? Because there was that one time, that one family outing. I really don't want to get into it right now. So, we go back, and now she showed up, and she's cornered uh, poor Joshua, and all of the, the goblins they have teleported themselves somehow back to the church as well and they're all surrounding him and he's finally going to release the ultimate weapon against the goblins what he was given by grandpa seth So, you eating meat hurts the goblins so much that they can no longer act. Are these goblins from fucking Berkeley? Where the fuck did these people come from? They hate meat this much? Fucking just let them eat meat. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything to you. I think partially it is, honestly, because they can't eat him unless they flush out his system, right? So when they do it, it has to take some time before they can eat the poor kid. And if he starts eating all the meat and everything like that, they have to feed him probably more to make sure that he's clean and he's ready to be eaten. But seriously, they shouldn't get that freaked out at the fact that he's having the most disgusting lunch meat in the world, bologna. And it's a double bologna sandwich. It's not even a double bologna sandwich. There's like 10 fucking slices of bologna in this thing. And that is just disgusting as it is. So maybe I do understand why she's so upset. 
uh, all the family manages to come there because they say that they heard the grandpa's voice, and that's when they start helping young Joshua repel the goblins with their goodness by helping him touch the stone. Joshua! Grandpa says the voice brought us here. Quick, help me. Put your hands on the stone and concentrate. What? Don't you see? Only the power of goodness can destroy these monsters. Put your hands on the stone. You forgot, Joshua. The power of goodness and meat. Those are the two things that you need to defeat the goblin and the goblin scourge. So the goblins start melting and bleeding green until they're all fucking dead. They all decide it's time to go home, but Elliot doesn't give a fuck about his friends, who we've never seen past this point. I guess Arnold's probably turned into a tree, Drew probably got eaten, and Brent is covered in popcorn. Brent got the least dangerous thing happened to him. He just possibly had sex and created a bunch of popcorn again fucking pointless they so as we get to the end of the film we see them pull up and they all have one last conversation with each other and sound like they're so happy that they've survived this ordeal i have to pass by the office i need to go home for a while i'll come with you joshua and i'll wait for you at home They all sound like fun and happy to be alive, don't they? They just defeated the Goblin Scourge in their own kingdom that happens to be in the United States. Goblins. They're here. But honestly, we then follow Joshua and Diane into the house. Diane grabs an apple. She starts eating it. And she offers some to Josh. But Josh is like, no, I'm just going to go upstairs and go to bed. Weird things again start happening around this house, and the ball of a sum comes back and says, Yummy, mom is good. He freaks out, he goes to the bathroom, and he sees that there's a bunch of green stuff in there because she was going to take a shower. And then he goes around the house, and he walks by the fruit, you see the fruit is leaking green. Oh shit, it's any vegetables. So what she should have done is she should have just taken some raw fucking bacon or maybe some raw hamburger and started eating on that shit because it wouldn't have turned her into a fucking zombie. He walks into the room and he sees his mom being eaten on the table to which we see the first boobs in the entire movie because the model that they use has plant boobs and plant nipples uh, and we see all the goblins eating there on the table and we get the end credits. I'm going to play quite a long little bit because it kind of bleeds into each other but we're going to go from the realization that it's his mom on the table to the last line of the movie and the end theme they're eating my mom Joshua. 
and that is Troll 2. Now, it is... Uh, we don't know how the troll survived in the movie. We just have to take for granted that somehow they're still there. Or maybe the trolls that did uh, were supposed to be there, they actually did leave to maybe give the appearance that, hey, we're actually, you know, we're gone now from the city, and that's how the troll showed up. I don't know. Honestly, don't care. You could see the ending coming from a mile a fucking way, the way they set everything up. Now, the question comes down to it, is Troll 2 a so-bad-it's-good movie and a movie that you should watch? I think that everybody should see it once, and your mileage is going to vary on this film, to be honest with you, because some people just aren't going to make it through most of the, the way that the film is done. It is a pretty fucking terrible movie. There is no doubt in my mind the way that it's shot. I understand that the director himself spoke barely any English, so it was basically going through a translator to tell the guys what to do. The acting extremely wooden. There is no budget for this fucking movie. And you you have to take everything, I think, a little bit with a grain of salt. Now, seeing the documentary before the film definitely does influence and did influence my opinion of the film. So if the way that you really want to see it is first see the film as full, then watch the documentary, maybe you'll get yourself a better uh, look into the film. Because I think that that's a very good place to go. I think that you have to see that if you watch this film in full, because you'll see what happens to the people after the movie has slowly become a cult static uh, status movie. Does it deserve cult status? I honestly don't know. And I think that it's gotten that status just because there's been a lot of like well-known people and uh, really kind of talking about it, especially when the craze of the documentary happened and how really kind of random the way the documentary played out too. I think that affected a lot of people's thoughts about this film. So I necessarily don't think it deserves the cult status. I think it is one of those movies that if you saw once, that's it. I don't know about midnight screenings or anything like that. I mean, that stuff doesn't really happen where I'm with. Uh, with this film, I could see it happening, but does it deserve it? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just, it's one of those, again, so bad it's good movies to me, personally. And that's my opinion. But does it deserve the cult status that it gets? I don't think so. And I think it does have a lot to do with the documentary based around this film. So, overall... For me, it's not really gory, so it's a 1 out of 5. There's a couple of decent scenes. The scene where she loses her hand is really fucking cheesy. But the scene where he has the branches coming out of his chest, that doesn't look bad. The Them eating the damn plant things is really horrible looking. Uh, and it's just kind of, you know, it's not really gory at all. So you can't really call it anything else. But there are a couple of decent scenes, so 1 out of 5 is what it's going to get. Fun factor, it's going to get a 4 out of 5 for me because of the way that it's acted, because the costumes are so crappy, because the dialogue is fucking dumb as all hell, and it's delivered in perfectly deadpan moments. I can't stand Diane and the way that she actually looks like she's lost in every fucking scene, uh, but Michael, his actor, George Hardy, I believe, is one of the more entertaining parts of this movie because he's got some of the better lines. Uh, the kid actually does act pretty well, but it still is child acting from the late 80s, early 90s. 
Holly is a fucking waste. They picked her up from a fucking high school musical play or whatever it is, along with Elliot and all his friends. And the worst part of the whole thing really is that little subplot with Brent that makes no fucking sense. Uh, the crap factor, it is bad. It, it is a five out of five. This is a, as the preacher Kenny Loggins would say, uh, extremely stinky excrement. It is, I mean, there are bad movies. Is the is it the best worst movie there is? No, no, I will not say that that's true. But it is a good bad movie. You could enjoy yourself by watching how ridiculous this is. And this isn't, you know, like I say, there there are different levels of that. There's trauma so good it's bad. There's independent so good it's bad. And then there's troll two so good it's bad. You know, they all from different categories. You can enjoy them in different ways. But this one, I think it's one of those few films that if you've never seen it before, you may absolutely hate this. You may never want to watch again. It's going to be a very polarizing movie for a lot of people. But I say give it that chance. Watch it once. You don't like it, you don't ever have to watch it again. You like it? Great. That's totally up to you. But to be told by somebody that this is the quintessential worst movie that you need to see, I don't think so. I think there are other films that are worse than this that are worthwhile of seeing. There's a lot of Uwe Boll movies that I would say you need to see because you won't realize how bad that movie actually is and how entertaining it becomes when you watch it with a group of people. Now, by yourself, maybe you'll it, this will be very negative with you, but I think actually this is a group movie, if I have to say it. It's good if you've never seen it before to watch it with a ton of people because everybody will find something about it that they find ridiculous, and you can basically do your own like riff tracks for the film, right? Or if you want to talk about older Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of the film. And I think that would be great. And it would be good for some people. So uh, that brings us to our next feature presentation. Just in time for Thanksgiving. Killing 2 has been destroyed. Only one copy remains, and Turkey will stop at nothing to get it. That's right, our next film is going to be Thanks Killing 3. 
Last year at Thanksgiving time, I reviewed Thanks Killing, and this is the first movie, supposedly, that skips over its sequel. Now, <clears throat> friends of mine and I have always had this running joke, and I can't believe a film finally fucking did it. When you would go into the video store back in the day, uh, like a Blockbuster or a Hollywood video, and you would go look at the horror movies, and you could only find the sequels for horror movies. Like, you'd find Subspecies 3, but you could never find Subspecies 2 or Subspecies. You could only find the third one. So we were like, it was so bad that they just put the 3 on it, so that way it went straight to video and you didn't have to worry about it. So that's the case with Thanksgiving 3, where it actually does skip over the sequel. Uh, I want to thank Buds, Beers, and Brutality, and I'm sorry if at the beginning of the podcast I messed that up. They are available at 3B Horror Pod uh, on Twitter. Please check them out. It's a very entertaining podcast uh, about horror films as well, and I know they just came off of a hiatus recently, so please go show them some more love when the new episodes do come out. Uh, and I appreciate them, and they're the ones that posed the question to me, and they really wanted to be originally the 300th follower, but they weren't able to do it in time because they wanted me to review this movie, and they wanted to hear the opinions on it. And uh, so here it is, and uh, it was a movie actually I was going to avoid, but I'm kind of glad that they uh, asked me to do it. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at T underscore T underscore podcast. You can email your movie suggestions over to Terrible Terror uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast. And if you want to hear me talk about something that's not horror, I'm a part of another podcast called It Be Like That, that you can find every other week that this podcast is not up. Now, next time, it is going to be two weeks from the release date of this podcast that we will put out the next, uh, and that will be Thanks Killing 3. Thanks, everybody, and bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.